Welcome to another Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Horn. And before we get to a great podcast with Audrey and Christina from Parkside Advisors, quick shout out to Brex. We have a sponsor, the startup credit card company that is rapidly taking market share. It's been fun to watch them grow. And a lot of cruise clients use them. Brex is great because it's easy to use. There is no personal guarantee by founders. That is humongous. Has great integration with QuickBooks. And it's very easy to create credit cards on the fly and set limits. So we love Brex. If you go through the checkout, type in cruise and you get a discount. And now to a great podcast with Christina and Audrey. And before we get going on that, I have to read a little disclaimer because this is a financial company. This conversation is not intended to provide financial advice to any particular person. Advising requires us to understand the specifics of the individual's particular financial goals and circumstances. This discussion is intended only to provide general information on the topics discussed. That is straight out of the compliance department at Parkside. Shout out to them. And now, hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And my very special guests today are Audrey Grubbin and Christina Kramlick of Parkside Advisors. Welcome, ladies. Hey, Scott. Hi. So Christina and I have been friends for a very long time. And she worked at SoFi. You actually, thank God, you talked me into investing in SoFi. <laughs> I wish I would have been smarter and listened to you earlier because then I would have <laughs> you know, probably done pretty well. But we've been friends for a long time. And I was you reached out recently. and. We get tons of questions on you know stock options and personal investment for the CEOs and how to do this stuff correctly. And Vanessa and I and, and Stephen Yarber, our VP of tax, don't cover this stuff, personal taxes. Mm -hmm. And so we decided this was a great opportunity for you and Audrey to come by and, and tell the Parkside story and also give kind of some general rules of thumb and some general advice, nothing specific. We don't want to break any compliance laws here. But that's kind of what we're going to do here. Does that make sense? Sounds great. Sounds great. Cool. So maybe, Audrey, start off with like the story of the firm. And sure, sure, sure. So we do investment management, financial planning, and tax planning for individuals and families. And I started the firm 22 years ago and started it almost exclusively doing stock option planning for what was then a very small company, PeopleSoft. I don't uh -oh. know if, if everybody <laughs> might be showing my age here. When uh, And actually I got started with it for personal reasons, which is uh, my partner was offered uh, a job there as a very early employee. And um, I had been working as a software developer at a financial services company back in Boston. She was offered this job out here. It was a great opportunity. We moved out here. And so there were two, two things that kind of, you know, I think, uh, you know, came together as fate. You know, one was uh, PeopleSoft was a very early kind of a precursor to the whole dot-com explosion. Yeah. And so, you know, that was, uh, that was a great need there. You, you know? also probably got the exact kind of clientele you're looking for. Exactly. So those stock options went crazy, right? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. So it was yeah. just very serendipitous. And then the other is that we had had two other, back in Boston, we'd had two other equity, you know, the gift of stock options or equity, employer equity comp. Uh, to, at two other companies and kind of had to, I kind of uh, learned on my own, first of all, a lot of people just didn't know about it. Yeah. Um, and the other was that because this was, this was a really long time ago, but because we were not able to marry, there were particular circumstances, challenges, opportunities that didn't exist. So basically a 
you know, dove in and learned it, and then uh, PeopleSoft just kind of exploded, and those people went forth and multiplied into all other tech companies. That's the amazing thing about working with startups is you do. It's like the the network effect really kicks in for you too as yeah, a service exactly. provider. It's mm-hmm. incredible. So, so PeopleSoft, for those who don't know, was like a huge enterprise software company. I grew up in the East Bay, so tons of people I knew worked there. I think is Dave Duffield the CEO. Yeah, yeah he used to exactly. sh- his wife used to shop at my mom's store all the time, and uh-huh. yeah, so I I remember the people stuff. So that's right. incredible. Right. And then you guys, but you guys are based in Sonoma now, right, or or North Bay? No, or, we oh, have we, okay. we have a new office over oh. there, but the but Parkside is based in Berkeley for oh, the okay. most part. Ah. Nice, I went to Berkeley, so yes. good. that's awesome. So maybe talk about some of the 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 basic stuff you do for your clients. Like you sure. talked about the the tech employee. Or the tech CEO. Sure. So we have clients now that you know are tech, non-tech, options, non-options. So the overall services are very similar. But when it comes to uh, employer equity comp, then it's very, very specific. And there are you probably know there are huge opportunities, uh, huge uh, mistakes that can be made. And so what we like to do is get in there as early as possible because there's really a lot you can do planning-wise in terms of both for clients who have, this is just what they have, this is what their their package is and how to plan around it, and then for execs or founders who have the ability to, to negotiate or to make decisions about what, what combination um, will help them with that as well. And then it's diving into the nuts and bolts. I mean, you, you know, with an accounting firm, Scott, you know, you know it's very much in the details of uh, what kind of options do you have, what's your tax situation, what are your long-term goals, yeah. you know, when to exercise, Could, all of that. Do you mind if we dive into, like, a, maybe not all, the, not to the degree <laughs> that I know your knowledge is, but, like, what are some of those early planning things that people can do? You know, like, one comes to mind is, like, the early exercise to lock in, start doing capital gains, right? Sure. Like maybe explain that. Sure, absolutely. So... There are a lot of, you know, without getting too boring or uh, too much in the details. Boring is okay because people want to listen. The people <laughs> okay. listening to this want to know this stuff, so it's all good. Okay, so things that we commonly will see, will come across, are employees with uh, incentive stock options, ISO grants, yeah. uh, non-qualified options, uh, NQs, and then restricted stock units, RSUs. Those are the most common. Yep. There are a bunch. There are a whole, you know, there's like a whole bunch of them, but I'd say that's what we see most often. And then the early on decisions to make or things to consider are, um, as you mentioned, Scott, early exercise is a big one. Um, And so the trade-off is the earlier you you get in or you get a grant, the earlier in the the company's development, the less expensive, you know, the cheaper those options are. And the, the tax consequences and the cost of exercising are all a function of two things. One is the the grant price for options, and then the other is the market value when you when you take action. And so employers generally are more generous with, with the number of grants because it's much riskier early on, and so yeah. they'll give you more and they cost less. So then uh, people have a decision about do they want to do an early exercise, and so stock option. This is too much. Just you know, no, this is perfect. Okay. I, I have some. Yeah, keep okay. going. Yeah. So, um, plant stock plans will might typically option plans might typically say you know you're granted 
X number of options and the strike price is, you know, sometimes a penny a share or something very low. It'll usually be, uh, you know, fairly generous because it's just not worth a lot at that yeah, point, yeah. you know. And everyone around the table kind of wants the strike price to be low because it helps the employees. Exactly. VCs, but we do, we, one of the things we do here is a 49A evaluation, which is to kind of do a kind of audited uh, review of the financials and, and, and peg that strike price so that you can just have something to show the IRS exactly. to know you did it the right way. So in the old days, people would just pick a penny a share. Now there's some, some yes. methodology around yeah, it. Yeah, so I think you you might know this. I don't know. I think the 409, the requirement for a 409A valuation is fairly recent. They were always out there, but I think the requirement is more recent. And yes, exactly. So this was just a typical thing that say, you know, people would come on at different periods of time. The valuations over a period of years might be one cent, one cent, two cent, two cent, ten dollars. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> you know, totally. Uh, yeah. Because that so, was right before the IPO. Right, ten dollars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. you know, it was kind of the wild west out there for sure in a lot of ways. But yes, uh, in general, you want it to be. You want the strike price to be low, and then um, what? many people want is the feature in the plan to do an early exercise, yeah, yeah. which will allow them to exercise those shares ahead of vesting. If you don't do that, then every if you're on a four-year vesting plan, then you run the risk or the probability or the, or the hope that the valuation will go up over time. So those uh, exercises, exercise transactions become more expensive from a tax perspective. Yeah. And when you exercise, you basically are paying taxes on the delta between the strike price mm -hmm. and whatever the fair market value is at that point. Right. And is that ordinary income tax? That, so, yeah. sure. So um, for incentive well let's start with non-qualified so the most the simpler ones then that delta is ordinary income okay okay for incentive stock options then it's it's not ordinary income it's not subject to regular tax but it is subject to the alternative minimum oh, tax okay. and so there's this juggling there. and that has changed this year as well in the new tax law so there are opportunities there and then if i could just back up for one yeah. sec i don't know if i mentioned that the way to do that exercise and this is something that um, we've seen a lot of mistakes with, unfortunate ones, because there isn't a way to correct it. But if you do want to do an early exercise ahead of vesting, you have to make what's called an 83B election, and you have to submit that to the IRS in 30 days, and there's no there's no getting around that. And that's we've seen we used to see some really big mistakes. We and that's an unfortunate one. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a serial mistake CEOs make. And I feel like almost like venture capitalists should test the companies on the that filing before they invest the money because it shows kind of how disorganized the company is if they right. can't get that in. And right. we've had a lot. We've had a couple companies try to do these crazy. It, creating another company that buys this company and things like that to do that, but there's no getting around it. Certify that piece of mail, keep that forever, because if you are gonna, if your company's worth a ton of money, you're gonna want that. It's, it's super important. And so that's yeah. really easy to miss. It's so easy to miss, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's also like, you, come on, we're all adults here. You got to do this. No, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I mean, it's really the whole scenario has changed over time. But from from our perspective, you know, where we're representing, advising. Uh, individuals, whatever their position at the firm might be, that's something that we're all over, you know. Did you get it? Did you get it? Totally, totally, you know? right? So because so, of that. So once people do this exercise, they're in a position where they are able to then pay capital gains going forward, essentially. Exactly. And it's yep. way, and maybe talk about, 
Because that sounds awesome. And, mm-hmm. and like if I'm listening to this, I'm always going to early exercise. But maybe there's some downside, right? Like cash out of the pocket and things like that. Yes. So, yeah, we did a little bit of research actually, talking yeah. to uh, a few CEOs to kind of you know get their take on this topic. Yeah. And we found that, you know... There's a myth out there that if you get in really early that you're going to get a ton of stock and it's all upside, but the tr- and and you're willing to give up a, a nice, you know, take-home comp package in order to get all those shares, but the often the reality of the situation especially nowadays is the bay area is so incredibly expensive and companies are staying private longer and the tenure for people to stay at these companies is oftentimes shorter. Yeah. So sometimes they say give me a salary that I can live on. Yep. And then if you give me some options, great. Awesome. And I, 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 you know, a lot of people say, well, I should have more, whatever that number yeah. ends up being. But they really are, are actually, you know, more concerned about being able to, to pay their way for life in the Bay Area, especially. I think it's different regionally, but yeah. um, especially here. And, and they're not necessarily as interested in a huge option package yeah. especially if they don't think they're going to be there for that long so also people best. don't always know how much options are actually getting relative to the ownership of the company and so they they think they're getting like a lot like maybe the number is twenty five thousand options but really that's a de minimis right. amount of equity for the company right. right and so it often depends on who you talk to uh and oftentimes the management team doesn't necessarily have a great plan in place as far as what's you know the long-term vision of how many people are going to need to be participating in that option for sure yeah and so it's a it's a tough call to make at the start of a company yeah and but they have to think through it and they have to also think through the rationale of what kind of option distributions are going to happen for different departments and why that is and what other total comp is represented within the package yeah um and be able to talk about it and rationalize it in a not a necessarily a micro way but a macro way yeah because what do you know employees talk and they talk across departments so people are going to know yeah and there's probably going to be some if there's great disparity there people are going to have to they're going to search for yeah. explanation yeah. and so then then that also you know kind of ties into how do you use RSUs how do you use refresh grants you know, generally what we see that uh, is that refresh grants are kind of for retention and RSUs are for awards for a job well done kind of after the fact or after a few years. Yeah. So isn't there a shift as a company gets later stage two to more restricted stock because it's it's kind of more valuable? Yes. All the stuff you talked about was really interesting there. So if I come to you and I'm going to start a company, like how, what, how do you advise me? Do you, do you say like, hey... Uh, you're the CEO. You want you definitely want to get some options, but you need to leave some in there for everyone else. And what's what's kind of the the best version of the the I'm sorry the ISOs and the NQs and sure. how do you how do you talk your clients through that? First of all, most of the people that we're working with are a little farther along in that decision. Uh-huh. The people who who are at that stage are very fortunate because they can make the call on it. And in general, those people are very optimistic, which is why they're doing it. Totally. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which makes sense. Yeah. You know. It's the so, kind of person they are. And so in that case, it's pretty clear. You want to have options. They have the most leverage. You yeah. know? And the, the decision about RSUs and options, there's a lot that goes into it. I'd say it's not an either or. For example, the RSUs, a lot of execs prefer them. Season management often prefers them. Um, partly because they're worth something no matter what happens to the market value. 
you know, whereas the options are highly leveraged and they can go underwater, you know, if you're giving options out at 10 and the, you know, so a lot of execs feel like that's really, you know, a more egalitarian or just yeah. a better benefit. Yeah. But for people who are just starting a firm, they're generally going to want options. They're going to want, you know, as many as they can, the mm -hmm. largest percentage of the company as they can. One thing that has come up recently is a lot of companies are unaware. So let me take a step back, which is uh, for ISAs, there's, um, there's what people sometimes refer to as the $100,000 limitation, which is you can only grant ISAs um, to an employee to the extent that $100,000 uh, vest in any given year. Oh, I didn't 100,000 of strike price. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, most of the time for very early, for very early stage, you know, that's, that's not so hard yeah. to work around. Cause the strike price is really low. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, yeah. so, yeah. Okay. but, um, the, the early exercise provision, um, with the 83B election makes, uh, if someone exercises early, it makes all the options first exercisable in one year, yeah. and so it shifts significantly the ISO to NQ yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, proportion. Wow. But anyway, I get a, I'm digressing a bit in terms of someone coming in as a you know brand new, just starting a company. They're going to want as many options um, as they can get, and they're going to want probably as many to be ISOs as yeah. possible. And they're probably going to sacrifice or trade off the ability to early exercise for the NQ because if the strike price is the same as the market value. There's no tax anyway, so yeah. you really yeah. don't, it really doesn't yeah. matter to you. That makes total sense. Okay, so that and that's kind of when someone comes to you, that that's what you're gonna. And then you say, later on, if you, you probably have many different kinds of clients, and the the senior exec clients, you're they're gonna take a job or they want to ask you. They're thinking about going to work at a public company or a very late stage company. You're gonna recommend more restricted exactly. stock kind of stuff. Yeah, makes total sense. Do you want to cover the was it the qualified small business sure. stuff? Because this is yeah. fascinating. This is very new. The, yeah, yeah, and this I, is, I, and I'm totally out of my league here. So please, ladies, take it take the, it away. This is uh, this to me is just one of the best parts of my job when yeah. this happens, which is <laughs> is to be able to tell someone that they have a hundred percent exclusion of capital gain tax. You know. It doesn't happen too often, but it happens more often than, than you might guess. So and just to th th dwell on that for a second, like someone built a company and they sold it and all of a sudden they don't have to pay any taxes. On yeah, that. well, there's some limitations. Let me yes. go through them. Yeah, please. You do yeah. sometimes get yeah. to have that discussion with people or even even for early employees at a company that went public. Yeah. There are a bunch of, you know, rules around it and, you know, this is not advising anybody, so you need to people need to go and, you know, can not confirm but look into the details. But the general Or call you. Or call us. Great. <laughs> yes. But the general thing <laughs> the general provisions are that if you hold stock in what's called a qualified small business for more than five years, the assets of the company at the time you acquired the stock were less than 50 million. If 80% of those assets were used in the active trade of the business, so these are not holding companies, these are yeah. you know real companies, yeah. you know, developing products. If you sell the stock, you get a very large exclusion of capital gain up to $10 million of gain or 10 times the basis. So it actually wow. could be if $3 a share is 30 million, you know, it can really yeah. be <laughs> quite a bit. And if, let's see, the amount of the exclusion has increased. So this actually has been around for quite a while, 
But as of, if you acquired the stock after, I forget the exact date, but September or something, 2010, and you hold it for five years, it's 100% exclusion. Wow. Yeah, so there are people, this has happened a few times, where they don't even realize that this applies to them. So you get to tell someone. That's, that's supposed to be an amazing as, moment for you. That's just, yeah, yeah, as I said, that's just almost as good as it gets. What, um, was, what was the tax policy designed to do? Was it just to incentivize entrepreneurs? Yes, I, I imagine it that's was really cool. to get people yeah. to invest. So it doesn't, if you buy the stock on the secondary market, it doesn't, you know, you have to have bought the stock. Exercising options um, constitutes buying the stock. Okay. So yeah, so it's a great opportunity and that's also one where the earlier that you work with, the earlier we work with clients, the better because they might not even be aware of this. Mm -hmm. They might not be thinking five years ahead. They might not be thinking that when they exercise their stock that their company has passed the $50 million asset level. And that can happen pretty quick right now because the rounds are getting pretty big. Okay, so that's a really good argument for engaging you ladies quickly when you join something because you may have to early exercise before you hit the $50 million zone, right? right. And and if I understand this correctly, you want that five-year clock to start ticking as soon as possible because you want to, do you have to have kind of had the whole clock go through before you sell the stock? Is that how it works? Yeah, you have to have held it for a okay. full five years. Okay. There's no, there's no. What happens if like a company, like you're at a great company and they get acquired within three years of you joining and you've done this, does it partially happen or do you miss out or how's it work? No, there's no, there's no partial and, and that will sometimes be, I mean, it's interesting because 10 million to most of us is a nice number to not pay tax on. Um, if you're thinking of, you know, a company really getting huge in size and thinking of the exit strategy, um, the people selling it might not be, like the VCs might not be quite as interested, mm. you know, in it. So, but as an exec of the company, if you have some sway over how that happens, you know, if it's a merger or if it's a liquidation or if you, you know, any of that, then you might have some uh, effect on the outcome. Oh, but so that's you could do like specific. a stock, you could do like a, Instead of selling for cash, you sell for stock or something like that? Yeah, continues? Okay. in theory, you know, I, we have not, I'm trying to think of whether we've had that with anyone. Yeah, I can't think of off the top of my head, so that's definitely something to look into. And does that only apply to corporations, or does it apply to service businesses? Thank you. Or? It's, uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, very helpful. It does apply to only, see the, the businesses have to be C-Corps, and the investors have to be individuals. I think they can be through an LLC. Again, this is super technical and you're yeah, going to yeah, talk to. Yeah. yeah, so this is really meant for the small, smaller investor Makes um, or founder. So it's, that's super exciting. There's another thing that I've heard about opportunity zones. Are you ladies doing anything with that or is that something you can cover? Qualified opportunity zones or are very new. So we've talked to a lot of people about it and there has not been a huge opportunity for a couple of reasons. Oh, interesting. One is that if you buy a property, you have to invest as much again. So you can't just buy an existing thing. You have to buy land and build a warehouse okay. or something like that, yeah. right? You have to invest all the capital. Can you say that? No, it can be any. You can you can take your proceeds from another from another sale, something yeah. else, some other capital asset, and it doesn't have to be all of them. You can take some proportion, but whatever you invest in, you then have to make an additional investment of it, mm. at least as much as you put in, because it is supposed to be you know encouraging development. Yeah, okay? and growth. Yeah. So um, there are a couple things about it. One is. There's very long holding periods involved. The other is that, frankly, the problem is that there aren't track records of who you're going to invest with, right? 
So um, I read, I haven't verified this, but I read that Scaramucci, the, uh, uh, oh, no. the one day uh, the press person? secretary, yeah, no, no. <laughs> started, Poster own, boy. Yeah. Uh, started a fund investing, I think, in Oakland. It's some kind of resort, uh, resorts or high-class hotels or something like that. But just as an example, and I don't want to badmouth any particular person, of course, but you know, <laughs> how are you going to check out the people who are doing yeah. these because they're new ventures? So Does it have to be through a fund, or can you invest directly? Be, it has to be through a fund. Now, oh, you can create okay. a fund very easily. Okay. okay. So the opportunity, I think, the greatest opportunity is for individuals who have a specific thing they've been wanting to do. They've been wanting to build, a, you know, buy a warehouse and develop it or yeah. something like that. They're very knowledgeable about the local market. And then it is a huge opportunity. But in terms of just the general investor, I think it's, you know, at this point pretty limited yeah. until we see. It could be one of those things where you're trying to avoid taxes, but you actually end up losing all your money. Yeah, you or make that the bad... benefit doesn't pay off as yeah. much as yeah. you think. Okay. Because you know? yeah. the qualified business thing reminded me of that. And, I've heard, and I, I haven't heard a, like a really good definition, so that's super right. helpful. So as I'm listening to this, it, I'm, it's like so obvious that people should reach out and talk to you guys because like – in the same way that people should reach out to us, or we're always telling companies to reach out to us earlier because there's so much damage we can avoid and so much like foundational work we can do. It sounds like it's basically the same thing on the personal side, which makes sense. Yeah. Are there any other like good little things that like, hey, if you just would have called me six months ago, this happens yeah, all the time on right. taxes for our corporate right. corporate taxes. If you just would have called me six months ago or a year ago, I could have sure. really saved you and helped you out here. Sure. Um, I would say just what you said, which is to, to, you know, hopefully with us, whoever, do it as early as possible because there really are a lot of opportunities. Um, in the early years, we saw a lot of mistakes. We still see some, but the opportunities are enormous. Yeah. And the earlier you take a look at it, the better, yeah. the better off. Do you also see, because these people come to you, they sit in your office, they talk to you. Do you that's something I see with our clients. We, we can actually de-stress them quite a bit we, because they'll come to us and they're, they're living in a state of like not of ambiguity and stress. And then we can say like, you know what, we have a checklist and we're going to take you through the checklist and we're going to vet everything and, and get you kind of – do you do something yes, like that for yes. your clients? So, you, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Checklist Manifesto. I read the New Yorker article. Surgeon. Yeah. It turns uh, out my wife, Vanessa, is incredible with checklists. And right, so that's so, everything is built around checklists here. But yeah. yeah so I'm a, we're big fans of checklists. We use them and that's a, um, and we do have a checklist for all of our financial planning services. Actually, we, we use a checklist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really the, the greatest takeaway I think for um, your listeners is have someone who knows this look at it as soon as as soon as possible yeah and in terms of de-stressing it's really great i mean people stress a lot about options yeah. they're very caught up in them and to have a structured program in place and understand completely de-stresses yeah people. it's really fun it's how, great work how, how does the conversation go when someone comes to you to start working with you is it like a you do like a, a sit down and then you send them information or how do you walk them through the process? Cause it is a really big decision. Mm -hmm. And how do they, how do, how do they vet you? Like what are the kind of questions they ask you and how do you demonstrate your, you know, your expertise? Sure. So from, from a client's perspective, most of them come, uh, all of them come through some kind of referral. Um, so they know either another advisor that yeah. we work with, an attorney, yep. something like that, or they come through people that they know. So at least there's then they're not walking in off the street. 
Um, it's a little bit like, I think, choosing a doctor in some ways, which is you can ask questions. I say that all the time for us, too. Really? Yeah, yeah. You can ask questions, and questions are great. But beyond a certain level, you know, someone coming in really, they're going to have to rely on referral, gut feeling, and then having you demonstrate your value over yeah, time. Yeah. You know, um, I've had people come in and they'll have a list that, you know, someone, their boyfriend gave them or yeah, something. Yeah, ask them yeah. this, ask them this. <laughs> We're happy to do those questions. But really, from their perspective, they want to come in, ask us those questions, ask us how we go about solving problems, ask us about our, philo- our investment philosophy. Yeah. You know, and knowledge always rules, I you know, just totally like agree. helping people. And then um, if they want to get started with us, the way we help them with the options decisions or the stock decisions or equity comp or any kind of benefits, our preferred way to do it is by doing a comprehensive financial plan and see what that means to them and having that guide their decisions, you know, as opposed to, oh, I think the stock's going to quadruple or whatever. And the plan is you taking into account their risk profile and do you ask like behavioral stuff and yeah, like, you know, you know that's do you have new kids? Yeah. Do you want to, how do you, you know, how do you want to help them? Do you have older kids? You know, I'm focused on kids. I have kids like we all do. <laughs> um, just everything, you know, do you, what do you want to do? If, yeah. You know, if money were no issue, would you stop working tomorrow? You know, just we just want to know everything about yeah. people and help them. That's really cool. That's awesome. I'm sure I can see the. You know, this is obviously kind of like radio. You can't see the smiles on their face, but like <laughs> you obviously enjoy your job. Like, what's what's the best part of your job when you wake up and you go to work in the morning? Oh, you want to go first? I'd, or I'd sure. Well, I, I just got here, yeah. so it, it. But I, you know, completed the CFP certification because I really and and I was looking for a fee only financial planning firm because. You know, having been in the finance industry for a while, I, I, I really think that that it's important to be a fiduciary yeah. when, when you're talking to people and when you're contemplating taking any sort of responsibility role in their lives and their financial lives yep. particularly. So I think that, that we have a real opportunity to help people. And that's yeah. what makes me excited about what yeah. we're doing. So in my former life, I was a, a software developer, and um, the reason I got into this was I wanted to work with people, and so the work that we do for me is the best mix of technical problem solving, working with people. It is one of the things that I, <laughs> this is what a nerd, such a, she's going to show such a, that I'm such a nerd, but I love the tax stuff, and it is our firm being so much in the depths of it um, is pretty unusual in that we do that. And so we can, I think we provide huge value to people, uh, de-stress them, help them in enormous ways that it just, you're right. You can see it gives us, gives me a huge amount of uh, pleasure. Yeah. There's so many now, we do the same thing, feel the same way. Yes, yesterday we educated a big angel investor on like how his companies could save millions and millions of dollars. And it's like, he couldn't believe it. He almost like didn't want to hear it because he thought it was too good to be true. And then it's like the qualified business conversation you have with someone or the early exercise conversation you have. It makes such a difference in their life. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, and you can go through scenarios and say, okay, what happens if you if you buy these options now and they go underwater? Okay, well, how does that affect the rest of your financial picture? Yeah. What other assets do you have? You know, yep. or is this is this everything you have? And then therefore that's going to drive your strategy in a different way. Yeah. So I mean, there's you know just being able to kind of 
present different scenarios and options and figure out, I mean, you know, options as far as how they run their lives. Yeah. Um, you know, do they want to buy a house now? Is, is now the right time? So understanding the whole picture and then helping them make those decisions in a, you know, with knowledge. Yeah. Well, de-stress. This is yeah. empowering. And I also yeah. love how you are referral-oriented because it creates this really nice um, positive cycle where you want to do a great job for people anyways because you this is why you do the job. You enjoy it. But also you have this extra incentive. And that's how you can – that's what we've done too. You grow the business really fast that way. Yeah. It's really cool. People tend to refer people like themselves too. Yeah. So we have great clients. Yeah. They refer That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's very yeah. – I yeah. saw yeah. that pretty early on. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Do you want to just talk about where they can find you, how to reach out, and uh, and give the pitch a little bit? Sure. Well, you can go to the website, the www.parksideadvisors.com. Nice. Yeah, that's for the easiest way. Um, <laughs> and um, I mean, hopefully we've given given your listeners a sense of what we do. Uh, just to sum up, we do financial planning, tax planning, and investment management. We do it in an integrated way, um, which is you know by far the most gratifying and the most helpful to the clients. Yeah. And yeah. I think and the lesson I took was engage you ladies early because there's a lot of decisions that need to be made and you may miss out on some stuff if you don't act act accordingly early on absolutely cool it'll never hurt never hurts <laughs> awesome thank you so much christina thank you so much for coming by audrey thank you so much for coming by thank you and uh we'll get yeah. this up and thank you so much appreciate it thanks for checking out that podcast with christina and audrey hope you got a lot out of it and they are really great people hope you reach out to them and before we finish up here, quick shout out to Brex, our sponsor. They are a virtual credit card company. And guess what? They even send you a real credit card in the mail. It's pretty awesome. It's easy to use. There's no personal guarantee. Great integration of QuickBooks. We love them. Great job, Brex. And if you sign up, type in Cruise and you'll get a discount. Hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. Thanks.